everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Blues Brothers podcast. I'm Travis Flock, and I'm joined by Travis Tyler Olwa and RJ for the typical host of this podcast. But we are also joined with our special guest today, Kamal. You can find him on Twitter at Bump of CFC. He's been somebody who's been behind the scenes on some of this podcast, been sort of uh, uh, involved with it throughout as well. Um, Kamal, go ahead and give yourself an introduction. Thanks again for coming on tonight. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Um, kind of like, like you said, like the kind of behind the scenes coordinator of sorts, trying to get you some people that we've had on prior. But yeah, I'm happy to be on. Always wanted to be a part of it, as you know that. Just parenting life comes in. And as we all spread across the planet, it's difficult. Um, I tried doing the same thing when I was at Worldwide Chelsea, so you know exactly how it is. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so appreciate you having me on once again. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And for listeners out there, we are going to be doing a buy or not a buy, but a keep blown sell episode for who we have in the squad as of today. We did a transfer one, but that's speculating on who will be in the squad, not really a part of it already. So uh, to start off, we'll get with the goalkeepers. Uh, we have three goalkeepers in the team: Kepa, uh, the world's most you know expensive and possibly infamous goalkeeper, Ed Mindy, and Jamie Cumming. Um, all three. Could be potentially part of the squad this year uh, in what capacity, we don't know. But uh, open it up to you first, Kamal. Would you sell or loan any of our goalkeepers? Ideally, uh, I'd like to loan or sell Kepa. No no disrespect to the guy. I just think his future just isn't here. So it's probably best if we if we do part ways, but it's just the likelihood of that happening is all down to finances, right? So if, if we can get a loan E type with an obligation to buy or something along those lines, just so he can kind of regain confidence and regain some value. Because um, at this point, I don't see any teams going in for him just purely because they haven't seen him play that much. Yeah, he's probably the only one. Uh, Jamie Cumming is a young guy, so, you know, send him out to League One, League Two, like the other young keepers have done. Um, but that leaves us with just one, so we'd have to bring in some depth at that point. Yeah, um, you know, I think it's a good, a good point that if we do let these guys go, uh, we have to bring somebody in. Um, Travis, do you want to explain a little more on that? Obviously, if Kepa goes, somebody has to come in to be backup. I understand why Chelsea's had an older third-choice keeper for so many years, but given that we don't use them anyway, I'm totally fine with Jamie Cummings saying that we used to do that a long time ago when the development keeper was just the third choice keeper i mean they're not going to play the chances of them playing are extremely low so we don't need to go out and buy someone to replace willie cavalera necessarily yeah i, I wouldn't probably be in, be in favor of spending a whole lot of money on a third choice keeper oh i'll go ahead and add what you got on that yeah i actually, I actually think um jimmy Cummings should be loaned out well i would love to sell kepa but realistically we can't and we can't get any money from him and we need two keepers anyway so uh, he was he was cupkeeper last season, and if we're being honest, it, it worked out. So, yeah, I, I don't mind him being the cupkeeper. Mendy is the main keeper. We don't need a third keeper. When when we have a seventy-two million keeper on the bench, we would never use a third keeper really. So, I think Cummings should be learned out. He needs to play. He's still young. Kepa is. I mean, he's earned the money, so I don't think you really have a problem being just a second choice keeper. If he has ambition, which he probably does, then yeah, if we get a bid for him, we'll take it and run. But I think keeping those two keepers is okay. Yeah, I mean, I can see 
a lot of those possibilities happening. Um, Kepa does need a move for his own career. Jimmy probably more for his own development. But Ed Mitty is probably going to be the undoubted number one. I don't see anything changing there. Um, moving on to the defenders, and we'll start with Antonio Rudiger. Does anybody think we should either sell or loan Antonio Rudiger or just keep it as is in the squad? I'll just add really quickly that we've seen these big peaks and valleys with Rudiger before. And with his contract running out, if the right offer came, I don't think I would say no, just because I don't know when that next valley is coming. Because it might not ever, but we have that issue with a lot of defenders. And I, I don't know, it, it makes you think if the right offer comes, you got to take it for somebody. What would that right offer to you look like? I don't know. Transfer values don't mean anything anymore when <laughs> players like Ben White are going for $50 million and <laughs> Holland is going for Small Island Nation. Like, I don't understand anymore. <laughs> small Island Nation is what Holland is worth. Well, could per- possibly be purchased by a small nation as well, more or less. But uh, anybody else have anything to add on Antonio Rudiger? He's not. He's not a young spring chicken anymore, as we like to call him. And yes, he has been instrumental in the back half of the campaign with Tuchel and arguably like some of the other players in our team, do we strike while the iron's hot and knowing that he hasn't got a medium to long-term future or do we try to really leverage that leadership experience to help integrate some young players? But the only question mark about letting him go is given the whole decision we've made around letting Mark Gehi go. So then we're starting to really look a little bit thin in that area. So it's not as our linear, unfortunately. But at this stage, I'm more towards the keep rather than the sell, but contingent on the sale price again, which is flip a coin. Yeah, I think those are all really good points about Rudiger, right? We have seen this kind of peaks and valleys, although he right now is on a very, very high peak. And with his contract running down and reportedly not a whole lot of progress, there, there could be a reason to sell them. Oh, I'll let you have a finishing thought on that. Chemistry, we've been talking about chemistry in, in the defense, and this is the perfect time to build that chemistry. And why it seems may not want to re- renew the contract, I think that will change over time. Many of these contract renewals are uh, circumstantial. It depends on the point in time. I think with the defense that achieved what it achieved last season, it would be better to keep all of them, if possible, they can grow together and play together. And that's how, that's the stuff of, of clean sheets and magnificent defensive performances. Because if we bring in another center back, we have to start the integration process all over again. I think he, he's, he's played very well under Toku, so I think he should be kept. Yeah, I mean, he's had a very strong six months, um, so I understand that argument. But uh, And I also understand, you know, what's being said between... Travis and RJ as well, that, you know, there has been this variability in his form. And there also, you know, there is the issue of if we can cash in on the right thing, we might as well, because that leads into the contract issue itself. Uh, Moving on to the next player, uh, we have Marcus Alonzo, who, in my opinion, I am president of the Marcus Alonzo Hive. And so I would keep him around because he's a cult hero of Stanford Bridge. I don't know about you guys, but I'll also I'll I'll leave that there. I'll open up whoever wants to go next. As a wingback in the system, if Tuchel doesn't change anything about the system, he can stay. If he thinks about remotely going to a back four, he, he, can't, he can't be involved, I'm afraid. But if he's a wingback, I'm a, he's probably the best wingback on the planet. And I'm with you on that. So 
<laughs> we're just we're, we're guaranteed at wing back to get two worldy goals a season from Marcus. Oh, minimum, so, minimum. That's it. Hundred percent. Absolutely. He'll go, away. he'll go missing for five games and then just turn up and score two yep. huge goals. That alone contribution. Yeah, Consistently inconsistent. <laughs> there you go. Perfectly said. I think I'll keep Alonso, even if we go to a back four. I'm sorry, Alonso is better than Emerson in any in any system. I'm sorry, I probably I'm the only one that shares that 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 sentiment. But I'll I'll keep Alonso, whatever system. I'm just gonna tear you apart. Yep. <laughs> I'm just gonna tear you apart yeah. with an Italian flag behind. <laughs> uh, I agree. Look, to be honest, putting nationality bias aside, and again wearing my corporate hat. Probably now is the right time to strike with getting rid of it. Emerson, perhaps to another team I go for behind me, being into Milan, they've been touted as being a team. But it just depends on the tolerance of the club in terms of accepting less than their perceived value of the player, especially right now in a COVID-induced environment. Are we getting market value for our players? Probably not. But equally, we did also benefit from bringing in some players last season that we might not have got at the right price because there would have been bidding wars all over the place that we didn't have to engage in. So, look, I'm probably more on the Kamal side where he's better in the wing-back system. I don't have as much faith in him as a sole defender in a back four. But that said, what I like about Alonso is, A, his high advantage, B, his technique, C, he's got that versatility to be able to be a genuine game-changer if we need to throw on a bit of an X factor if we're chasing the game. And I do agree with you, Ola, he is better, at least in the attacking sense, than Emerson, who did have a good Euros campaign, but I would be more on the side of using that good campaign to push for a move and reinvest elsewhere. I'm going to stay in my own bias on this one and not be balanced on this because Marcus Alonso is a hero to me. He's, he's scored too many huge goals over the years. But... Uh, you know, I can understand if we go to a back four predominantly over what we used just uh, a few months ago, then I can understand that there's a pretty fair argument to be made. Um, and he can get his statue in a few years or something. <laughs> a little bit of joke there for any listeners that don't know. I'm not that crazy about it. But uh, all right. So next we have Andreas Christensen. Uh, in my opinion, given what we just saw in his Euro campaign, as well as his history of playing in a back three under Antonio Conte uh, and how successful he was in that. I'm going to say, for me, it's an absolute keep. I don't know if anybody else disagrees. Danish Maldini can stay. 100%. Right? Uh, Thiago Silva, another one that, you know, he's going to be in the squad and given his age, you know, I, I think we're keeping him around. And I also personally would keep him around for this. You know, he's, he's proven his worth so far. It was point of a contention, kind of the Silva-Gahey dynamic and how that worked out. But um, I think that's, you know, with, with Mark gone and Thiago still in the team, we know what's going to happen. Nobody objects on that. We're keeping Thiago Silva. <laughs> Working on a five-year extension, RJ. <laughs> he'll just be a, he'll be a player manager because we'll have Tupo gone by in a few years. Next is Kurt Zubas. This is a really interesting one. I, I would have to say that given – if we're going to keep a back five, then it makes sense to keep him um, as part of those three center backs. But if we're not going to do that, that's where I think the, the, the question gets really interesting. So I would say back three, we keep him. We need the depth. But I would say back four, uh, he doesn't seem to be one of the favorites and he might be moved on. What do you guys think? I think Zuma should, should be so because he, if he stays, I'm just going to say it now that he's going to end up making the most league appearances for us again anyway. Because every season we enter, he just ends up 
at some point getting into the lineup and staying there for long enough that he ends up making the most appearances. Uh, wow. For the past two seasons, he has made the most appearances for, for Chelsea in the league. And in Lampard's first season, Lampard couldn't decide on a, on a centre-back pairing, but he found himself in the lineup often. When the following season came, he was doing well with Silva, had very good chemistry. Things went wrong because, you know, we couldn't defend even if we were promised billions of pounds. We couldn't defend well. So someone had to take the fall and he did. And school came in and Rudiger was favored. So I think he's too good to be on our bench. And currently he's fought in a five-man defense or five in a five-man defense. But he's, he's ranked last in the pecking order. Silver starts at the center of the center-back formation. If Silva is not fit, it will be Christensen. And if Christensen is not fit, it's when Zuma comes in. So I think it will be his 26. It will be a waste of his talents to just keep him around. If you ask me if Zuma should be sold, I'll say no, because I really like Zuma. And I just want to keep seeing him in a Chelsea shirt. But I think it will best serve him if, if he goes. Plus, he's our most valuable center-back. So I think he should, he should be sold. And... We should get another centre-back that people would use more frequently, should I say. I like Zuma. I'm a, I'm a big fan, just like Ola said, for all the same reasons as well. Because, I don't know, there's something about him that I enjoy watching him. But obviously, he's prone to, just like everyone in, in our defence is prone to making the odd error here and there. But, yeah, no, it, when you put your, your thinking cap on, it makes the most sense for him to be sold, just on the value standpoint. His age, he's coming into his prime. He's probably not going to be, you know, he's probably not going to be the first choice, you know, just based on, I think Tuchel's got his hands, you know, he's got his ideas set on who's going to have in that, in that back three now. So Zoom is the odd man out. So it makes sense for him to be moved as much as I don't want him to, but it just makes more, the most sense. Oh, go ahead, RJ. No, just quickly echoing that sentiment. Again, if he's not in favour, is he too good to be warming the bench because he would be a regular starter for most other clubs? Yes, I do think that. But I'm trying to be thinking with my, my club hat on as well and trying to protect us and make sure we have enough depth there because while he's not first choice, anybody, especially the more vulnerable members of our defence, which we all know who I'm referring to, if an injury comes up, he's more than capable of filling in the void he might not be ideal in the centre of a back three or he's made a mistake, but not so long ago we were criticising Rüdiger for making mistakes, Christensen for rugby tackling Mane. Players have arcs all the time. So I think Zuma, unfortunately, has been a little bit of a victim of the success of the others that have come in that Tuchel has trusted. And full credit to them for being the, the flavour of the month, who I hope the, the month turns into many years. But for me, I really like Zuma. I, there's something about letting him go that just doesn't sit right with me unless we were to get some really, really good offer. Like I would want to use him as a bargaining chip for a big transfer fee or knowing that if we sold him, it was to subsidise for the greater good. But letting him go without some insurance policy or some better upgrade, it, to me, it feels like a little bit of an L. So, yeah, I don't know. I know that's a little bit controversial for some of the fan base. Actually, I mean, I think, RJ, that kind of takes the words out of my mouth as far as what I would say on it. I think that's how I feel about it. He's, he's a very talented guy, and it's obvious that we scored, I think, five goals with him from corners that he scored with his head. You know, he's such an aerial threat on both ends of the field that and it was very clear that when he wasn't in the, in the in, you know, 
in the 11 or playing that we just did not have that aerial threat. And we have such a skilled set piece taker with Mason Mount. It's kind of very much the perfect complement. And I feel like in a back four, he's maybe even better than in a back three. So I, I it's a keep for me with, with Kurt Zuma. There's too much talent there, but I, I also understand what, what Ola is saying. If, if he's going to just be fifth choice and the last person to get the minutes, then we should maybe cash in. But personally, I would keep him and find a role for him. Next is Ben Chilwell. Uh, I think he had a phenomenal first season with us, just crushed it, put a lot of the doubters, you know, firmly to rest. He's he's been great for us. Uh, next is Reese James. I feel that's probably a very similar story. Everybody keeping Reese James. Question is though, is like where do you see him playing now? I know that it is a good question. Uh, I mean, if he's playing, do you think he starts at either center back or wing back, or do you think that it's very going to be positionally dependent if he gets into the starting minutes? Personally, I think it's it's going to be opponent depending. So I think predominantly he's going to be a right center back now. I think that's. I don't know why I've just I've just got that in my head now that that's he's he was trusted there in the biggest stage, yep. so to me it's just like that's probably where he's going to be most featured. I, I think he's going to play mostly as a right wing back. I think it's only very scarcely we we'll see him as as a right centre back. How many times do we come up against really fast strikers that have very good movement that we need a resumes to really you know hold. I mean, majority of the strikers are fast, if we're being fair, but not every one, you know, not every fast striker we, we came up against the people put James at, at, at right centre-back. So I think Aspilicueta is better at right centre-back. The right wing-back role requires a lot more... Or, or let me say, as, as, as Aspilicueta gets older, we probably want him to play a more stationary role central midfield, central defensive midfielder, centre-back. We don't want him to be playing on the flank. So I think Resumes is still going to play there. So he's still going to play at right wing back. That's on the premise that we continue with the three three at the back position. Yeah, I, I agree that he's probably going to be more at wing back than centre-back. I mean, I think we got kind of carried away with him playing centre-back a few times at the end of the season. Got a little bit of recency bias out of it. And you know, when the Hakimi deal was happening, everyone just went ahead and assumed, okay, well, James is going to be a center back now. But I think it's just a lot of jumping to conclusions. He might end up playing there some, but I'm not convinced that's where he's going to end up yet. It really does remain to be seen, you know, and it's really hard to predict this because we don't even know what formation and system that Tuchel may employ or if he changes anything up at all for next season. Moving on to the next player, though, is one who's been around for a long time. He is the captain, Cesar Espoqueta. I think it's unlikely he's leaving or going anywhere. So I guess the better question is, what do you think his role is coming up for the next season? For me, I think it is a bit fluid in terms of the type of opponent we're playing. I think the broader theme for me, and hopefully I'm wrong, is that we will slowly start to see a transition more of regard to someone like a, a Reese James or, and I say fluid based on not just opponent, but obviously the system and structure of the formation we're playing as well. Because we know Dave, he's someone that's relentless. He's someone that he always, he doesn't really take much regard for self-preservation. And sometimes that's at his own detriment because that's more likely to have fatigue and other issues. He has been a stalwart for us, but I think his role slowly starts to phase out. I still think he's going to have a lot of contribution, 
But I think this might be a bit of a defining season of passing on the bat and a lot more to a Reese James or depending on who's playing in the back four, like a, like a Christensen alongside him. So, yeah, still influential, but a slowly, slowly reduced role. I'll just go a different way really quick. I think he ends the season with the most appearances. Tuchel likes his leaders. He likes to keep them on the field. He likes to play certain players a lot. And I think that's going to be Osby again. I mean, if he doesn't get injured, he's just going to keep going, it's especially if we stay with three at the back. But he showed with Spain that that doesn't matter either. So, Yeah, I mean, Spain, Chelsea, it's, it's every time he tries to get cast aside, he just reinvents a role for himself and outlasts and does what needs to happen. I mean, maybe that's why he's the captain. Uh, my personal opinion is that he still probably will have a little bit more of a fluid role um, within the team because it's just a natural succession process. And we saw that even with John Terry. But then again, I also completely hear what you're saying, Travis, wouldn't be shocked at all. Even if I think he probably will be kind of rotational more, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a ton of appearances. Um, he's been great for us so far under Tuchel. So moving to the next one, and this one's a little more curious. Uh, it's Emerson. What do you guys do with him this season? I think the truth is if we're staying in a back, uh, three at the back system, and we have Marcus Alonso. We should we should take advantage and cash in on a guy who just started in the eleven of the Euro winning uh, nation Italy. RJ, I'll let you take this next since you watch Emerson maybe a little more than all of us. Yeah, no, I think he's a he's a good player, but is he is he um, week to week Chelsea standard? It's probably debatable. And let's face it, he um, with the Azuri's campaign, he was also second choice before. You know, before the big injury, which was unfortunate there. So, look, for me, his stocks are a high now the time for cash in. And if we can't get the right market value, let's load him out because we've agreed that Alonso is the right person. We've got Chilwell. We have Aspilicueta who can also switch over to the left. So we've got more than enough coverage, I think. So it's just about trying to be economical now. And unfortunately, he would be one that's expendable. I, yeah, I think that's very well said. I think that's probably where I would land on that side of things that we need to just move on, cash in, and, and strike while the iron's hot, so to speak. Another interesting player we have here is Ethan Ampadu. He's kind of had this maligned career so far with a lot of promise and then it's sort of these loan moves that either didn't work for him or the team didn't work for him, right? In the case of Sheffield, where it was a total relegation scrap and they struggled to really stay in any of the matches. Uh, what do you do with Ampadu? Is he's kind of at a crossroads, I think, in his Chelsea career. I'm a fan. I've always been a fan. Ever since he broke through on the Conte, he was just like enjoyable to watch. Um, he looked so composed on it. Let's forget he he was 17 when he made his debut. The youngest Chelsea player since Jody Morris, if I'm not mistaken. So he's still young. He's probably what not even 21. He's probably still 20. So I still think there's something in him. Um, unfortunate loan at Leipzig. But when he did play against Spurs, he was great for me. Unfortunately, he had to go to Sheffield United and they had to go down, whereas the year before they were amazing. But Premier League experience is still Premier League experience. He played pretty much most of the games, if not all, in this league. So it's vital experience. So I, I would loan him out again. I'll still give him another chance, loan him out, see how he does, and then bring him in and see where he goes from there. If a Premier League team is willing to take him on loan, I'd go for it. But... If Sheffield United wanted to have him back, I'd go for that too. You know, right now, maybe what he needs is just some consistency. And 
less risky loan to find his feet again. And we've given him to at least one risky loan, but Sheffield United one was pretty risky too, honestly. So maybe the answer now is just settle a little bit and he'll find his feet and come good again. Yeah, I think so. I think to me it would be nice to see if he was to be loaned to a club that had a similar sort of approach to the way we play to give him the best possible chance of mirroring the way in which we would like to use him going forward. I think if he was to play in a, in a scrap and heap sort of team that just doesn't know how to use the ball well, it really makes it difficult for him to come and you know showcase his talents aside from his more defensive contribution, which he is defensive nature by trade. But we're a team that's more on the front foot more often than not. So if there was like a Brighton of the world or an Orange or some other mid-tier team that had a sort of good possession-based style of playing, I think that would be an ideal move. But, you know, other clubs need to buy into that arrangement as well. So it's, it's easy to have what we want, but it's what the player wants and what the opposing club wants as well. So, But I agree, loan probably is the best move overall. I, I do think... Um that's probably what I would do too is, is loan him out, give him more experience. And that's kind of up next in the case of Jake Clark Salter. Anybody, you know, oh, I would you, would you keep loan, sell him? You think maybe loaning is the best for his development personally? I think he should be loaned. I don't, I don't really know anything about him. And I, now I'm sure that there's no place for him in the squad in the next two years. Then again, I can't really say, but I think he should be loaned. He's not young, young, like we all imagine. So he's, he's been on loan a couple of times and I understand he was great for our academy, but you know, like we've had this course on the timeline, this doesn't really work out for everyone. So unfortunately, for the benefit of his career, it might just be best to find a stable solution somewhere else. Yeah, I agree with that. I think for, and this is the typical debate that's running those circles on the timeline, is we've become more sentimental as a club given what's unfolded when Leopard came in, which obviously I'm a big Lampard fan and the great work he done with integrating the likes of Mount James, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is that was partially influenced by the transfer ban, which doesn't make it any less important or, you know, admirable. But as a club, I think we've got to appreciate throughout the whole time, at least Roman's been, we're not notoriously good at for integration of, of uh, academy players. And that's not a bad thing, not a good thing. It's just a reality. We're trying to pick the best of what we can and, and be proud of the academy products we do have. So let's take advantage of it. And like you said, Kamal, not everybody has to be integrated, and that's not always a problem. So it's just appreciating the fact that you can have a good academy, but you can also buy class as well. All right. So we think Jake uh, Clark Salter might be benefited most by a sale or a loan. Maybe he's in, like what Kamal is saying, for the sake of his own career, you know, he's not really that young anymore, maybe a sale. Uh, it kind of brings a very similar player. It's Baba Rahman, who really has just had a very ill-fated time at Chelsea, a lot of injuries, and was last playing in Greece. I think it's time to move him out of Chelsea for good. Yeah, there, there's a certain point where we've loaned a player out so many times that they're just, it's just not going to happen. And I mean, maybe it's a good thing to be on the Chelsea payroll and have them find good clubs for you, but. I, I wouldn't want to be the player who every season I'm like, all right, well, what country am I going to play in this year? Like, that doesn't seem fun. Yeah, it's been a really much a perpetual motion machine for him moving around the different clubs and countries. So I do think, I think it's time to let him pull out his career. It's unfortunately injuries have done, but probably best to sell at this point. Uh, another interesting player we have 
is Malang Sar. Uh, we had a pretty good season with Porto overall. He'd kind of be this center back, fullback option if absolutely necessary. What do you guys think we do with uh, with Sar this season? Where what you know what would you do? Do you think you keep him around for depth, or is that dependent, or do you just try to look for another loan and consistent development, or just you rate him really highly? I um, think he had a pretty good season last time around, and I know he's back with us now. The sale of Gay's quite interesting to know that there's another spot opened up from a depth perspective. But personally speaking, I think unless we were to sell Zuma, as you know my thoughts on him, which I hope we don't, then I would actually look to loan him back out. And if he has another good season, then I would seriously consider bringing him back into more of a squad role for next season. I think it's just really complicated with him because he he did have some good moments at Porto, but he was also kicked down to their B team for a while. He stayed a free agent a long time in the summer that we got him. And there was always just this, I guess, just kind of sense that he wasn't quite the player you need him to be yet, but he's left footed. So I'm biased towards that. He could do Three of the back does wonders for certain kinds of center backs. And he might be one of those guys that, you know, just having that extra center back partner is that added layer of security that he needs to be the player he has to be. I mean, we saw it with Rudiger. Rudiger does a lot better in three of the back. Andreas Christensen does a lot better at three of the back. So, you know, maybe that's Sar's pathway. It could be. It's going to be. It's going to be tough for him. To, I think to ever be an established first teamer with us. But I think that alone would probably be best for all involved, especially if we move on Zuma and maybe he comes back in next season as that rotational player. Um, it, it, on top of if Rudiger does not re-sign with us uh, next, we have another kind of often maligned player that I jokingly alluded to earlier as someone we should avoid with a thirty million pound Zapacosta. But uh, brings to Z- David Zapacosta. What do you what do you think we should do with uh, him? Is it time to move on for good? Yeah, same same as same as Emerson really. Just they have interests overseas in in RJ's his heritage nation of Italy. So passion while you can, man. I mean, no disrespect once again. He's you know he he may have a bit part role. You know, as a wingback, he might be all right, but he is recovering or just coming back from like a terrible injury at like that as well. So yeah, it's probably best to to move him on because he's also knocking on in age. So he'll probably want to be more settled. And if he has the opportunity to go back home, why not? Yeah, I agree. I think there's a notion here that he's one of those players that represents one of the not-so-sensational business windows during that time where we bought these players that weren't, in my humble opinion, of the right standard for our club. So I think he's a good player. Let's not get a twist. I don't think he's absolutely woeful by any means, but I think he would do much better back in my, like I said, Heritage League and Serie A or even over in a different league, even to a lesser extent of, a, of another Premier League club that's not having the same expectation. But I think for us, it's not necessarily about trying to recoup the actual transfer sale, but it's really just trying to manage the ongoing costs and get his wages off the books just so we're really becoming more streamlined with our squad management and really getting rid of the excess, as I like to call it. And this next moves us to uh, one that I'm going to say is an emphatic sell, but I'll let Travis Taylor take this one. It's Matt Miazga. What are you doing with him? Giving him the blonde or is what I'm doing. I'm the proud owner of a Matt Miazga jersey. I was really sold by 
him in his one and a half games that happened on the week of my birthday. So I thought it was just a good idea. Yeah, he, he's probably at the point where he needs to move on. It, it, it's not going to happen at Chelsea. Maybe it'll happen at Barcelona. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Remains to be seen. Maybe he'll move back stateside and we'll get to see him in some matches. Maybe he'll go play for Orlando City or something. I mean, Atlanta United needs players that know what they're doing. So I'll take whatever. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, that wraps up our defenders. So next we get into the midfielders. Um, this is a little more interesting of a discussion I think we have here. I'm just looking here at the website for the Chelsea, you know, at ChelseaFC.com. Starts off with Jorginho, man who just won the Euros. Uh, I'll let you start with that one, RJ. But Alredista is on the cusp of somehow spearheading himself into contention for Ballon d'Or um, trophy. So that's first up. What a um, phenomenal achievement to be even in that conversation. So well done to J5 or J8 for Uzuri. But look, for me, I made no secret about my thoughts as to whether or not I think he would spearhead us towards a Premier League trophy. I don't think he's someone that on a 38-game-per-season basis he had enough to give us that same profile. And maybe that's a bit of bias based on my pre- previous Chelsea Champions League winning midfields with the dynamism of your Essiens, Lampard, Barracks and co. But he does bring a unique skill set to the team. He is intelligent. He does connect the dots, as we like to say. He has been a little bit more expansive with his passing, which has been a bit of a criticism of mine because he didn't really use his technique instinctively. But under the back three system and having that clearer purpose and knowledge of what his role is, he's been very, very pivotal to our success, including the Champions League. So for me, I would keep him unless some astronomical boot came in. But similar to the Rudiger situation, he is on the, on the tail end in terms of his maturity curve of age. If he would be looking for a big contract, this would be one of his last ones. So if someone came in with an almighty offer, even though he could be a potential Ballon d'Or winner, I would say I'd have to seriously consider it because of that. But, yeah, definitely my stance has changed on keeping him more so than selling him at this stage. Pretty much the same for me too. Anybody else think that we should uh, that we should move off of him? I don't think so. I think we should keep judging. I think Jorginho offers something that many of our other midfielders don't, don't have. He's the perfect blend of someone who is very good on the ball, or should I say comfortable. He has helped us to play out from the back several times. He helps us escape pressure when we're under pressure at the back, which is weird because the pass to, to Kepa, or rather the mispass to the goalkeeper was blamed on Zuma because he was under pressure, whereas he's supposed to be there for when we're under pressure. But either way, he's very good on the ball and he's very alert defensively. So. He offers us something that really no other person, no other player offers us. Plus, he's the only nominal defensive midfielder on the team, really. And he fits very well with what Tukul is trying to achieve. So, I mean, I, I, I think Jorginho should be kept. Yeah, I think that, you know, he's been too valuable for Tukul and now Italy. I think I definitely keep him. Um, really showing his value under some, you know, systems kind of more built around him with some other key parts that are there. Next player is in gold, Conte. This is uh, probably my favorite player in the squad, so it's an emphatic, you know, other than Mark Alonso. It's an emphatic, yes, keep him um, for me. But uh, I don't know if, you know, Travis, I'll move it to you. Uh, I know you had some thoughts on those two players. I would obviously keep Giorgino and Conte this season, but I have 
a very strong hunch that one of them is gone at the end of the season. I find it very hard to believe that we extend both of them and have both midfielders on the wrong side of 30 as part of the team going forward. I think if a good offer comes in for either of them, from PSG, from Juventus, from whoever, we'll take it and extend the other one. But that's my hunch that I have at the moment. I think Golo Conte is 30 years old. He'll be 31 years old uh, at the end of at the end of the next season, start of the following. So or at the end of this season, start of next season. So it's a, uh, I don't know. I don't like to think about that. I'm going to be biased in this one. Allow me that one. But um, I think that's who I, I, I got to keep Conte in the squad. He's just too, too important, I think. And, you know, he's been really, really key. He's kind of been that, uh, if you really want to look at it from the Conte era to now, he's probably been our most transformational player as far as what he's done for himself and the squad overall. This is another one. I, I mean, I'll, I'll open this one up for you, Kamal. What do you think of Mateo Kovacic? That guy is so polarizing to me, man. He's so, I don't even know how do you describe this guy. Sometimes he's like phenomenal. Sometimes he's not. He's, it all, I guess, let's just say this. If an offer came in and it was good, I wouldn't be upset. If he's a squad player and he's involved, fair enough. You know, I, I do like the Jorginho and Conte together partnership as opposed to Jovicic, quote unquote. You know, he's, he's great at what he does, but I just need something more from him. And I've been saying that since he came. I've, there's just something... You need extra with that guy. Um, maybe he is what he is at this point of his career. But like I said, I, I don't mind as him a squad player. But if, if an offer came in, I'm okay with him leaving. I'm with you there. I definitely prefer the Conte Jorginho. I think they're very much a yin and yang midfield pairing. Oh, what are your thoughts on Mateo Kovacic? I'd say keep. And I actually think that this coming season, Jorginho and Kovacic will be our, our, our starting pair. I think we forget that. Jorginho and, and Kovacic were Tuchel's go-to midfield pairing until Kovacic got injured. And they were doing well. They were the perfect blend of, you know, most of the teams we played, to be fair, were not Liverpool. They were not you know, Real Madrid. So we started seeing the Kante Jorginho double six when we started playing against teams that were not going to be as comfortable in possession. When we played against Liverpool, we could see why Kante was deployed because I think Kante and Jorginho have the most, the best defensive numbers together, something like that. But most of the teams we play would be trying to protect themselves. We'll be trying to protect themselves against Chelsea, especially now that we are, we are champions of Europe and they were sitting back against us before. Now it will be worse. Think Leicester City when they won the league with counter attack. Then they became England English champions. Then they started having to keep the ball and <laughs> break things down, you know. So I I think we'll, we'll see more of what we saw last season. And I think Jorginho Kovacic will be the go-to pair when we play against more difficult teams. Then Kante will be deployed. We know we know Tuchel is managing Kante's minutes, and it's not surprising. So I, I, actually, I should put it this way: I wouldn't be surprised if Jorginho and Kovacic is. Is Tuchel's go-to midfield player? Yeah, it's an interesting take on it because I, I know we've covered Kante quickly, but I kind of buy into what Travis Tyler mentioned earlier about both being on the wrong side of 30. But just to set the record straight, we're not saying 30 or plus is old because that, you know, I'm not sure I'd personally agree with that. Not that I have a buy. RJ, I'm closer than I want to be is all I'm saying. 
I wish I was closer to it. But <laughs> but in all seriousness, look, for Kante, I think, just, just quickly, I know it's Kovacic, but the whole J5 or Jovacic sort of pairing, I think I could see that actually is hanging around a lot more based on our style. But I think from next season, it'll be quite interesting to see how Kante fares because he has had injury concerns just because of the style and aggression he plays. And I think that if we were to get a real serious offer for him from next season, being 30, 31, as hard as it is to say goodbye to arguably our most transformational player, like you said, Travis, it would be difficult to say no to that, even though I think he's also on the cusp of a Ballon d'Or win for us, even though he's ran about out early. So for me, J5, Kovacic, Jovacic, whatever, I could see that sticking around for a fair bit if Kante continues to run himself into the ground. So, look, it's interesting. Kovacic, for me, is such a strange player. He was described as a box-to-box midfielder that's not good in either box. And I kind of agree with that because against West Brom, against some of these other teams, he works hard, yes. His, his acceleration is unbelievable. His dribbling skills are amazing. You just think, man, just add an assist to your game. I know that's not your role, but you have the skill and technique to do it, but you don't seem to back yourself and have that natural instinct. But also, there's been some instances against those teams where had he jogged back or he ran back quicker and tracked faster, he would have prevented some of those goals from the cutbacks that have come in. So for me, I'm not whole set on him staying, but at the same time, he does give us something that the rest of our midfielders don't, and that's the theme of our midfielders. They all have complementary skills, but they all have equally complementary flaws. So picking the right balance, we and natural to our show, we just can't quite strike that balance more often than not. It, it's a tough one. I think that for this season, I would keep him around just for rotational stuff. But I think uh, when we get moving on and you know we get some other years down the road, it might be time to cash in if we get an offer well above what we paid for him. Um, the next player and is Mason Mount. If anybody says loan or sell, I think I'm just going to kick you from the from the podcast episode now. <laughs> so we're just going to move past Mason Mount. Uh, he's our player of the season. He's probably our most promising player. He just has out of these world statistics right now. I mean, he's he's really taken uh, this Chelsea chance by storm, and that gets us next to Tino Andrin. So really young, promising guy as well. Got a little bit of tasting, you know, life on the bench, a little bit uh, with Tuchel. And, you know, now it's kind of a little more of a season where I think where his career, you know, it's where things need to kind of take off. So I would loan him out this season. What do you guys think? Yeah, 100%. He's got, he's got the mold of a, of a Ruben Loftus-Cheek regen. So he needs to go out on loan and learn his trade. And he's got a ton of potential ahead of him. But I would love to see him in the championship against some some big boys and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's uh, going on loan is pretty necessary for his development. Um, next, we go to Tamui Bakayoko. Uh, I'll go to you, Ola. What do you do with him this season? I personally don't think Bakayoko's career went as bad as many people are painting it. But I'm not surprised that he's been remembered that way because it's the extreme events that stick out in our minds. I remember a game where he... He had the ball, he miscontrolled it and made a follow-through tackle that ended him in second year. So when you think about that, it's difficult to think to put any sort of balanced context to his time at, at Chelsea. But I think Bakiko is not a bad player. 
The question now is how well does it fit into Tuko's system? And that's not something I can answer. But I, I think he's he's a very good player and he's not going to start for us. We know that. So I, it's just better to sell him. Uh, anybody else have anything different than Oa? So in a world where we don't find Declan Rice and we don't see any other midfielder as a fourth option, Bakayoko is probably the best fourth option that we have. I mean, double pivot is his bread and butter, and it seems Tuchel's wedded to that no matter what formation he ends up going with. So he could be this year's Victor Moses. This could be his redemption tour. It's unlikely, but who knows? Just quickly, yeah, look, we might have a little bit of banter about Baco and I'm one of them and no one likes to see any Chelsea player not thrive because it's a bit of personal pride. But I think he's done pretty well since recovering from that, that difficult season or so he had and moved on. And I actually just think for his sake, while I'd be more than happy if Tuchel saw some renaissance of him and, and does have a bit of trust, I just think on the, on the balance of probabilities, it would be good for all parties if we were to move him on because he's seeming to realise his potential outside of England and perhaps that's how it goes for some players, that they can still be quality players, but not every quality player has to be thriving in the Premier League and he might be one of those examples. So I think it's not necessarily a slagging off of him, but it's just more of recognition that he probably suits a different league and style even though, like we said, he can play in a pivot, he's very good at that. I just wonder, would he want to sort of risk re, re-agitating those previous bad experiences when he can move on, move forward, as well as the club? So it's one of those mutually beneficial arrangements. But who knows, Victor Moses 2.0, that would be quite a narrative. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. And I, I understand that, you know, it's for his own best interest at this point. And the club also has to cash out. He only has 12 months left in his contract. so. It is time, you know, things to happen if it's going to happen for him. Uh, so I think it's time to sell. He's been very good in Syria. There's rumors that uh, he might be going back. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Next is Lewis Baker. And, you know, I'll open this up one to Kamal. Do you keep alone or sell Lewis Baker this offseason? Before I answer, just guess how old you think Lewis Baker is without cheating. 20, 23? 26. What? That's what I'm saying. He's been at Chelsea forever. Oh right? my gosh. And he was he was one of the iconic trios of players where Josie was like, if he doesn't make it for England, it's on me. It was Baker, Chalabar, I think, and Solanke. I can't remember the exact trio, but you know, this guy, yeah, Izzy Brown, there you go. So Baker, he comes into preseason looking jacked every every preseason. And he he does all the right things to his body, but he's one of the guys that for the sake of his career, again, like we said with Clark Salter just, just needs to move on at this point. It's, you know, he needs to find a club and be stable. He's gone up loan to Leeds, Middlesbrough, so many different teams and hasn't been able to establish himself. So there's just no way he's going to make it here, unfortunately, because I had high hopes for him. If you remember the goal he scored for the academy against Arsenal. So, you know, he, he had some moments coming up, but unfortunately, it's just not going to happen. I can't believe he's 26, but I would agree. I mean, given that and the fact that I thought he was 23, probably time to move on for all involved. You're right. He's kind of been bounced around many times. He's a, he's a product of the old Mourinho Academy grad. So probably time to move on there. 
Next player is Ross Barkley. So pretty interesting player. Uh, can divide opinion a little bit. I think that he's had a good, a good enough legacy for us. But, you know, we have to remember, you know, kind of the surrounding economics of this deal. And he was brought in cheaply. I think we could easily sell him for significantly more than what we brought him in for. Um, whether that's five, 10, you know, million pounds more, I think we can easily do that. So I'd sell Ross Barkley. What does uh, everybody else think? If we can get money for Barclay, I'll take it. <laughs> I, we bought him for 15. We're not going to sell him for more. We're not going to sell him for 15. If we can get any money for Barclay, I'll take it. I I think Barclay is a good player. But I think under Sarri, he, he played very well. And I see people say, if he doesn't think he plays well, or he doesn't have to think he plays well. But I just think Barclay tries, tries a lot of things. He's a creative player. He tries to make things happen. And let's not forget it's coming from an Everton where he was the go-to guy for creation. So it's difficult to suddenly not be that guy anymore. And we've seen players who have had the, the weight of making things happen, go to teams, to other teams where other people are expected to make things happen and they don't adapt quite as much. So when we expect Barkley to play the simple pass or link up play and he tries to dribble, he tries to to shoot, he tries to create, and we think, oh, why is he doing that? Why can't he just do the simple stuff? I just think it's 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 old habit. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he fits Aston Villa very well. I think we should any money we can take for him, we should just take it and run. The way I see Ross is this, real quick. Um, this is my hot take. If Ross had the mentality of Mason Mount, he would be a 60 million, 70 million player. He's got the tools in his body. He's got the physique, he's got the talent, he's got everything he needs. He's just, his mentality is just not with it. You know, he's doing off the pitch stuff. He's doing nonsense, getting into fires, you know, drinking and all this kind of stuff. It just doesn't seem it has his, I hate to question the man's dedication because I don't know him, but it seems like there's something mentally not right, you know, fully focused there. So if he could apply himself to the best of his abilities, then he has everything he needs to do, not to become a great player, but he's just, he's just not with it. Yeah, I think it's very well said. You know, he just has not made the most of his career. And he was, when he broke on the scene in Everton, he was a hell of a player. I mean, that's all there is to it. That's a very, very good analogy, Kamal, is that if he was like Mason Mount, he'd be where Mount is or better, but instead he's not. No, I was just going to say, I thought he was maybe a bit of a victim trying to transition and impress Sari that I think he lost a lot of his natural instincts where I saw a lot where he was trying to sort of be someone that he wasn't profile-wise because I always saw him at Everton as being this marading, you know, powerful runner of the ball, quite athletic, not afraid to shoot. But then under Sari, it's sort of like he tried to mould himself into like a bit of a Jordinho and tried to spray these short, sharp, sideways passes, but didn't quite have the understanding of how the pieces connected like J5, but also compromise his natural instinct of using and trusting his physical abilities and his natural striking technique. So I think coupled that with a lack of bravery, we'll call it, which is intangible, but not trusting his own ability to try to make an impression for himself and just be a safe passenger amongst a great team. So that's probably where, like Mount, that you compared Kamal with someone that's not willing to just be a passenger, but make a statement for himself. And this is what we're seeing with Ross Barkley, unfortunately. So, yeah, sell if possible. Yeah, I, that's where I kind of stand on this, sell if we can. 
brings us to another player that might all be a unanimous sell, which is Danny Drinkwater and the legend that he has created. Um, last last playing in Turkey uh, as of last year. Uh, what do you guys do with him? Give him away. We'll pay you give to him take away. him. Just give him away. Marina just has to suck it up and acknowledge that she screwed up. He has no role. He has no role in the team. He has. He's not. He's not an academic player. He has no role in the team. He's not going to play. Just give him away. So anyone who will take him, just if you ask for money, they walk away. Just give him away. Yeah. He could be one of those cases where we offload him but continue to keep him on our books just because we don't want him at the club. So could be quite unique. I actually we gotta get rid of him. But this one should be a little more contentious, which is Ruben Loftus cheap. So there's been a lot of, you know, kind of prop and you know hype propaganda, uh, a lot of promise being sold again from the Twitter sphere and the Twitter timeline, uh, with amongst Chelsea fans. And I'm a little more skeptical, uh, maybe just me in general, but um, I think we should keep him. But if we don't see it this year, we're, it, it's over. Like, let's just, for me, drop this conversation. I don't want to see another, if he gets back before Achilles tear, I don't want to see another one of those tweets. Like, if he can't make it this season, I think it's time to move on, but I would keep him this season to give that proper chance. What about you guys? I would go with the same theory, but I would loan him. Like Kurt Zuma's situation, where Kurt Zuma has had the very bad injury and he went on loan to Stoke and then Everton. Maybe it just takes this second year somewhere for Loftus Cheek to find his find his feet again, because we really never saw it at Fulham, and he needs to be playing to get it. He's not going to get that at Chelsea, so keep him, see how he does in this next season on loan somewhere, and then make the decision. Anybody else on Loftus Cheek? Well, something worries me about Loftus Cheek's playing style. He he plays like someone who is a lot more flexible than he is, and he's not a flexible player. He likes to make sharp turns, dribbles, he whips through players, he turns suddenly, and he is athletic, but he's not flexible. He's not a hazard, you know. So he's not a mount. If you, if you get what I mean. And I just feel it scares me whenever he plays because I feel he's one he's one hit to the back away from, you know, going on a long injury again. So I, I think he should be sold. I don't think I think he's he's run his cause. I know it that's unfair to say because he has he has had a lot of injuries, but the position he's playing now where after the clan rise, I don't think he'll work as a false nine. I don't even entertain that thought. I just think he, he should be sold. So who would we sell him to? But I guess that's not the point. That's not the point of this part. Is it? I think he should be sold. I don't think he has a role in Chelsea. He needs minutes, and I would I would lean more towards towards Travis Tyler said that he needs the loan because he needs minutes to for us to know if he can he can still do it. Yeah, I think that's you know either way it's gonna be a good option for him. Uh, we just need to see personally for his own development. Hopefully, he can reach those heights, whether it's Chelsea or another team. So. Next, we have the attackers, and we'll start with some of the obvious guys. I think will be very easy answers for all of us, which are Christian Pulisic, Timo Werner, and Kai Havertz. You know, I'm going to say I, I think those are pretty much nailed on uh, for now that we have. Um, so the first, you know, one of these remaining six players is Kennedy. Um, I'm very much on the side. It's time to move on. 
performance-wise, maturity-wise, off-the-field club stuff, impact to other clubs. There just has not been any progression since the day we bought him and he got those prayer appearances at left back in the 15-16 season. So I'd say sell. I'd just say sell him to Atlanta United. Any of these players <laughs> that aren't going to make it at Chelsea, just give them to Atlanta. Then I can have my Chelsea player that's done both, and it'll be good. I like that logic. I like that. I think I'll land a link with William. That's that's an off-topic thing, but that make me happy. I'd take William. Like <laughs> no, on uh, on Kennedy, it's unfortunate because if you remember, he was one of the Messi puts out these lists of players that he like rates or whatever, and he was one of them. What list? You know, he came in with all this hype based on. On that, he does and, he actually does a list? Uh, <laughs> no, he does. He does a list. I'm not even joking. He does a list. Like I'll, maybe I'll not him, but his people. It. There's like these next mate. Mason Mount was on one of them. There you I'll go. Yeah, there you go. Mason Mount was on one of them. So he came in as supposedly this thing from Brazil, and Jose Mourinho turned him to a left back, and then the rest is history. So it just didn't work out. It's just been a, a number of calamities with this transfer. It's been all that could have, you know, could have been is pretty much how I sum up Kennedy. I was really excited for him, and he did seem to have tons of potential. And like most, like you know, youth scouting things you'd read had a lot of hope for him as a player, but it didn't work out. And that brings us to the next one, which pretty much sums up exactly what I just said as well. Mishi Bashuai. We bought this guy for what thirty-two million pounds in two thousand sixteen that summer. That was the cost of Kante. Yeah, same cost Conte, significant investment. It's just never worked out. He might just be limited in terms of what he can do from a tactical side and a coaching side. It's what I've heard from even Christoph Terrier, uh, who used to cover all the, or still does cover the Belgians in the Premier League. But, you know, he still does have a role rotationally in the Belgian national team. But I think it's time to move on from Batshuayi. Enough of this loan cycle and this, you know, we'll use him as this third, fourth choice backup. I think it's time to just go. I think Mitch is one of those system-dependent players. I mean, every player is a system-dependent player, but <laughs> I, I, I think I think he worked for Dortmund. He worked for Dortmund, and it's not a coincidence. Though, that is actually... I don't like following that train of thought because if, if Dortmund is the only team he works for, then maybe any striker works for Dortmund. And that thought scares me. That thought actually scares me. But <laughs> I don't want to follow that train of thought. But I don't think he's a I don't think he's a rubbish striker. I mean he did win us. Yes, I'm going to put it that way. He won nah. us. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to disrespect you, Ola, but like Michi Bachuai, <laughs> he's played under, let's be real now, right? So who's he played under? He's played under Conte, Sari, Lampard, Roy Hodgson, whoever else he's been on loan at. It's been terrible everywhere besides Dortmund. You know, you know why I agree with you? I agree with you because when you go on loan to Crystal Palace and you can't get in, that just is a lot. I mean, you can't get in. You, you are not start, You are not the starting striker. You are, come, you are on loan coming from Chelsea. You are not the starting striker at Crystal Palace. That's a problem. That really is a problem. I mean, <laughs> even if I was, even if I wasn't, even even if I wanted to make the case that he's a, he's a system player and he just needs the right system. If you can't get in over over Christian Benteke, I, I, well, I would say no, no disrespect to Benteke, but Michi Bashoi had a lot more promise than Benteke and would have all expected him to start, to be the starting striker. Then he wasn't. He was coming off the bench and sometimes he wasn't even coming off the bench. So 
I just think it's you know it's it's time for him to it's time for him to move on. It wasn't Tuchel at Dortmund that had him, right? It wasn't Tuchel at Dortmund that had him. Oh, I don't know. That's a really good uh, question. It, right? no? it might have been between seasons, but I, I actually yeah. I'm not. Because he had Obama Young, so yeah, probably not. Ah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, Klopp had Lewandowski. Yeah, he had Obama That's a good point. Next one is another one who has been ah, uh, it's a horrible story personally that you know he's had so much talent and just had successive terrible injuries, and that's Charlie Musanda Jr. I think I know there's a lot of talk about him and what could happen to him. Maybe he's going to be good again and get this run and so on and so forth. But the truth is we, we talk about him as a promising player and a, and a prospect, but I think the same question applies here. What do you think his age is without, without cheating again, like we did with salt Clark Salter. Uh, 24. All right. You're spot on. He's 24. Which, let's be honest, uh, I've texted before. Which twenty four is kind of one of those ages, I think, for a player where it's you know you're you're having to pick your path here. What are you doing? So I would sell him. I think this is the time to move on, and maybe we can sell him. But it's going to be really tough to do that because he's played so little. So if he is fine with a rotational role, I guess that's fine. But I would look to at least let him play elsewhere, whether it's a, a sale or a loan. I like Masunda. He scored his first goal for Chelsea, and immediately. You know, teared up. I don't. I don't know how you can look away from that and not like him. But yeah, I, he just had so many injuries, and maybe it just needs to be a situation like it was with Van Ginkle, where we find somewhere to loan him, and you know, just do what we can for him to pick his career back up. Uh, we did the same for Todd Kane a few years ago. Chelsea's pretty good about players that have had really bad injuries and just trying to help them go down the path they want to go down. So I think that should be another case here. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree there. I think it's time to move on. And Kamal, I'll leave this one for you first. This next player is Hakeem Ziyech. This is going to be, I think, a pretty contentious one. There are some rumors out there that Milan really would like to take him on loan. Maldini personally interested in doing so. There's also the compounding factor that Milan lost uh, Kahanaglu, who was their kind of, you know, winger, attacking mid, kind of free role. They need that now, and they reportedly have identified Ziak as that. Um, however, he does create a lot. He is a very good player as a free role on the right. What do you do with him? Um, no, I keep him. Um, last year was unfortunate for me, just based on injuries and all that kind of stuff with the change in manager. Like, you know, having to work his way back into Tuchel's plans. In my eyes, he's not an out-and-out out 10, so he has to kind of find a role for him where he kind of gets to roam and drift and do his thing because he's, like we've discussed privately, he's the one who takes the risky pass. He's the one who's, in my opinion, probably the most creative naturally of everyone in the attacking roles. So, um, yeah, give him, give him another season. And if this season he doesn't really work out, then we can discuss you know, moving him on. But I think we definitely keep him for this year, just not not just because of depth. Just, he, he, he has something to offer. I, I agree. A second season could be good for Ziyech. And I would keep him. But if you look at our attackers and how many we have, and you consider bringing anyone else in, anyone at all, he's kind of the most expendable one. And if there's an offer on the table and he's the most expendable, one plus one equals two. So. 
I don't think it'll happen. I don't think we should do it unless we have another deal lined up already. But that's just how it is. I mean, he, he's just bottom of the totem pole right now. And he might not be for long once the season starts, but that's how it is at the moment. On the contrary, I think he's not bottom of the of the depth chart. I think he's I think he's above Pulisic on the depth chart. Of the starting front three, he's the next in line. The intensity of the Dutch league is is night and day compared to the intensity of, of the Premier League. And that may not even be particularly true. But like I've mentioned several times, he's, he's used to being the guy that play goes through. He coordinates attacks. When he's available, he's, he's passed the ball. He's used to that kind of, of lifestyle. And at Chelsea, he had that role under Lampard. And then when Tuku came in, he did not have that role anymore. And he found it difficult to adapt because he tried a lot more passes, a lot more crosses, a lot more, a lot more things. That's because he had a lot more of the ball and he ended up creating a lot more chances at Ajax. When it came to Chelsea, he had to be one of the guys. He had to be just another attacker, just another passing option. And he didn't quite adapt to that role quite well initially. But then he adapted to the role towards the end of the season. But that was the time when Tuko couldn't afford to be bringing in players that he was not 100% sure of. I mean, when you get to the Champions League final, that's not the time to see. okay, let me see what he can do. Let me see what he will do. You have to go with your sure guys, which is fair. I think he's, uh, he's definitely our most creative player. He has the lowest amount of time per chances created. I mean, in the last game of the season, he came on and we considered, we created six more clear-cut chances. He himself created just one. In the whole of the first half, we didn't, we, didn't, we created only one. So, he's adapting to the role. I think he's the most expendable in that Pulisic is just that much younger. Werner is, is younger and has more of a starting role. Mount is definitely, you know, he's not even in the conversation. I mean, Werner is not as young as Otsnodoy or Pulisic, but he's not as old as yet. And he, sometimes, that's just what you need. A calm head who can come in and orchestrate things. I believe he will be a, a sub until he becomes a starter, if he stays. But I don't think he, even he is in a hurry to leave because it was a weird season for everyone. I mean, our highest goal scorer was Jorginho. That just tells you all you need to know. But when you actually look closely at his performances, they weren't as bad as people are making it out to, to sound. But yes, I, I understand why it's... Uh, I understand why the differences, the, the opinions on him are at such different ends of the spectrum because he does lose the ball. He does get caught in possession a lot. Unfortunately, that's something I can't deny. He gets caught in possession a lot, but I, I believe that is him adapting to the intensity of the league. He needs playing time. He needs playing time, but we can't start him over those who are more deserving. So, uh, like I said last season, he has to work his way back into Tuko's plans. And get, he has to prove himself through substitute minutes. We can't say give him four starts when someone else is deserving of those first time. So it's a definite keep. It's a definite keep. Yeah, I'd say he's a keep for me too. But it's, um, you know, if we don't see it this season, I think for 
player in club, it's best to probably look to cash out next season. You know, that's and that's kind of what RJ's saying in the chat is that you know one more trial season then make a better judgment. That's that's kind of what I'm leaning to as well. I think it's a very good uh, point on that, and maybe he adapts well in the preseason to sort of the new role that Tuchel had him playing. You know, for the last four or five months that under Lampard was a much different role. And that's where we saw CX succeeding most was with Frank Lampard. Next, we go to Callum Hudson-Odoi. So this is a very interesting case, 20-year-old. I will let you kick this one off. I'll uh, keep loan or sell. I would loan. I would loan him. I think Hudson-Odoi is a perfect example of why you should go on loan when you come out of the academy. Not because you're not good enough, but to get... The minutes in a in an environment where you can settle. Creative players need to settle. KDB doesn't rush. You know, Mula is, is calm. Creative players can't come into games and they can't be getting few minutes here and there and then be trying to create chances because what they'll be doing is they'll be giving the ball away, even when they don't mean to, because they are trying to make things happen. He's a creative player, Hotsunodo, and he has never he has not established himself under three different managers that were held in different regards by people. I mean, Kamal mentioned Bashwai and you know, he mentioned how he has played under different managers. Many of us blamed Sari for how he handled Cho. I personally think Sari handled him brilliantly, but Chelsea fans were not satisfied because they wanted him to start over William and Pedro and all of that. I didn't think he was ready and he showed his unreadiness when he played against Brighton. He had an assist and people said, oh, see what happens when Cho plays. And I was like, yeah, we're not having assists before, you know. And then he played against Liverpool and to be fair, it's difficult to have a good game against Liverpool, especially in that season. But he was more suited to lower league opposition and he, the fact that he has not established himself under Sarri, who everyone hated, Lampard, who everyone loved, and Tuku, who has been the most successful of the three, then it just shows that there's something he's missing. And like someone mentioned here, it's it's not a matter of his attitude because we can't really know how his mental state is and how he behaves in the in in, in the in the locker room or in the training pitch. But it's clear that three different managers have looked at him and felt there's still something he doesn't have. And it's a bit weird for me because when Tuku came in. Tuku played him a lot. And there was that episode where he subbed him off after subbing him on 30 minutes earlier. And there was a meltdown. And he started the next game. And then he just faded off the surface of the earth. So I think there's something in his game that managers just feel, I can't put up with this anymore. He has to, he has to fix it. I think he needs to go on. Man. I think he's too young and too promising to just be sold. So I... Applaud us for not selling him to Bayern when Bayern were putting pressure on us. But he does need a lot of playing time. And we saw last season he wasn't he wasn't getting into games. He wasn't even he, he was on the bench sometimes, but he wasn't even getting on the pitch. And he's too young to just be sitting down and hoping for three, two people to get injured before he gets minutes. So he learned from me. He's got too much talent, but he needs to be able to learn and to make mistakes. So. Yeah, he needs to go on loan and just be free in that, in his mind, and just play football. Yeah, I think unfortunately, and this isn't something I you know like take any happiness in saying, but I think that 
I understand there's been a, a significant industry, you know, injury for him, which is a very, very bad injury to suffer in any sport, especially football. But, uh, you know, I'm with you, Kamal. At the end of the day, we got to consider what is best for him in the long term. Um, and I think that right now, having this really high-pressure environment where he's a pressure cooker, right? If he doesn't succeed, he's going to get dropped. And that's the way it is because this is a Champions League winning team. I think that's for his own mentality, uh, which is a hard thing to gauge as, as a, you know, a club or whatever it might be, um, unless you're around him all the time. I think it's, like, it's going to be mentally best for him, maybe even physically best, just to rediscover his, his game and go somewhere and build that confidence wherever that might be and get in that first, you know, starting team or 11 every single week, more or less. I think that's best for him. I don't see that happening at Chelsea. So that's why I do think alone is best for him, which brings us finally to Tammy Abraham. I will quickly say that for me, I keep Tammy Abraham on the caveat that nobody else comes into the striker position. Somebody else comes in, we need to let this kid go and live his career and not rot away on the bench doing nothing. Because that seems to be the reality of the situation. If it were to occur that he stays at Chelsea and we bring somebody else in with that, I'll open it up to the rest of the floor. So I agree with that, Travis. The only thing I'd also say to that is it's not just about what Tammy wants. So if we don't supplement our striker situation, yes, he does represent a good option in my opinion, because we might, supplement other areas that does get the best out of him possibly but if we do get a replacement striker it's also about us trying to capitalize on our investment so if we let him it's not just about him sitting the bench but it's about the club not making any money on its investment here so i'd rather take a reduced fee now than let him walk out on a free because he's only 23 we've got the english tax it would be a real shame to let him go to a rival like Arsenal or West Ham a year later. Well, his contract runs out in 2023, but if he runs out then and we've got nothing for him knowing that he's only going to be a bit part player, that's a bad strategic decision from the board, in my opinion. Yeah, very well said, RJ. Anybody else? I think Tammy Abraham, the only reason I, I think Tammy Abraham should be sold is because Tuchel won't use him. Tuchel is not going to use him. We know he won't use him. And what's the point of having? a striker who has done as much as he has done for the club and be keeping him around to be to be bent by whoever. I mean, Tuku played Werner, played Kai Havertz, played whoever he played before he played Tamiya at centre forward. So he, we know Tuku won't use him and it doesn't make any sense for his career to be wasting at Chelsea. I mean, succeeding at Chelsea is nice, but you are a professional footballer. The point is to to succeed as a professional footballer. Chelsea fans won't hold it against him if he goes to any other club and, and makes it there. I, well, I won't hold it against him. So I think he, he should he should be allowed to get on with his career. It's not... Uh, for me, it's, it's the... It's, I'm linking a lot, of, a lot of people to the KDB situation. But for me, it's the KDB situation all over again because we say if he goes somewhere else, he could score 20-25 goals this season. Yes, he could and he will. He probably will. But that, that's not the reason to hold him. We are not using him. He's not going to score it for us because he won't play for us. So why not just let him go? Yeah, I'm with Ola. If he's not going to play, there's no point in keeping So just take the money and run. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree on Tammy. I think that's the bottom line is if we're not going to be giving him a viable pathway to minutes in the first team, 
then it is time to, to, to just cash in and move on. For both club and player involved, I think that's probably the best option overall. But I again, I caveat that with assuming we bring in somebody else to play that striker position. If we don't, I think the reality is he has to stay. So I, and you know, that, that wraps it up. That's us through the entire squad list of players that might be able to have a chance at making the first team. Uh, you know, thanks for everybody coming on again, Kamal, you know, love having you on, man. It's great to have you on. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll look to have you on more in the future if possible. I know it's, it's, it's tough on this podcast with time zones and, and all the other stuff going on in life. Love you, sir. Thank you. No, <laughs> just shout out to Ola and RJ and Travis as well, just for their time and staying up and waking up and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I wanted to have Keep Collapse Finest. So. Yeah, I appreciate that, my man. <laughs> <laughs> for those that don't know, Kamal is the king of the Kick Collab on Twitter. So look out for that. It's always a lot of fun. But uh, thanks again, everybody coming on. Uh, it's been a great discussion. I think this has been a, one of the more enjoyable episodes. I'm kind of getting away from the match reviews. It's good to do that for a little bit. So thanks to all you guys. Thanks to all the listeners out there. And until the next time, keep the blue flag flying high.